This is Sandy Krakowski and welcome to A Real Change. This episode of the A Real Change podcast is sponsored by Dry Farm Wines. Now, you've got to hear this. I, because of gut health and other things and trying to keep my 56-year-old body lean and strong, stopped drinking wine a couple years ago because the sugar just kept messing me up and all of my efforts. And then I found Dry Farm Wines. Okay, these are lower sulfites, lower alcohol, sugar-free grown organically and biodynamically. And to be honest with you, what does all that mean? It means it's paleo and keto friendly. It means it's low carb friendly. It means I can now drink wine and not have my gut get upset. I can now drink wine and not have all my diet efforts be ruined. You guys have to try Dry Farm Wines. And I've got a great offer for you where you actually can get a bottle when you order a bottle for just a penny. My personal favorite happens to be the rosé and the red, but they have so many different selections, including sparkling. You've got to check it out. So go to dryfarmwines.com forward slash a real change for your penny bottle offer. And remember, Dry Farm Wines makes it funner to not only drink wine, but you actually can do it without the guilt. Dryfarmwines.com forward slash a real change for your penny bottle offer. Well, hello, Ryan. I'm excited to be with you again. We just got off of your podcast last week and just really enjoyed connecting with you and just what you carry and what God's deposited into you. And very, very excited to have you here with my people. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> we had actually an amazing time. You kind of came on my podcast like a force and started talking <laughs> to people about being prophetic in the marketplace and so many cool concepts and people are still talking about it. So I'm honored to now be with you on your podcast. Now, Ryan, tell me how long have you been doing like the thing online? Tell me a bit about your story. Have you always been online? Were you offline and went online? How does that all go for you? Yeah, no, I've been online probably now. I want to say maybe the last 10 years, maybe not quite 10 years. And I was kind of a very traditional preacher in the sense of I pastored a church, um, I traveled, I had a really mm. radical encounter with God, turned my whole life around, went into ministry. And in the time frame I went into ministry, there was no online. So the media for ministry was like radio and TV. And oh, I've yeah. done both of those at various times. But um, I about the time Facebook sort of became a big thing. I had a word from the Lord, go on Facebook, open a page. Now, my thing was like, I had been on TV, I had done some things, but I wasn't well known. And I was like, why would I open a page? But it was such a strong Holy Spirit directive, open mm -hmm. a page. So mm -hmm. the first thing I did is I reached out to a young man that was, uh, we had mutual friends and he was young and fairly unknown, but had just a booming Facebook page. So I said, hey, how much can I pay you to just tell me the basics? How many times a day should I post? What should I do? And that was really how I started. And now, you know, probably 80% of what I do in the sphere of communication, uh, resources, yeah. is all online. And obviously, it's not just Facebook. It's 
nearly every available platform. So it's been a huge transformation. Like literally we went from social media being an outlet for some of the things we were building to social media being the main, the mainstay and yeah, then yeah. building out from that. Right. Yeah. It, uh, there's not any place online in any 24 hour period that there's more people interacting like they are in social media. And, you know, it's something because I believe, and I'd love your thoughts on this, that people look at social media almost like they do the internet. Like they're entitled to post anything they want and they can be however they want. Cause like you can do that when you put up a WordPress yeah. site, there's no internet cops. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? There's no internet government. There, like literally there's very little regulation on your own real estate online. But when you get into social media, a lot of people act like they have the same liberties and they forget, uh, just cause it's free. Somebody actually owns it. Right. Now, what are your thoughts on how, you know, the ability to impact people on social media because there are so many people? What do you think the pros and cons are of that from your perspective? I think it's huge. You know, I think that the opportunities are unlimited. And really, I ended up sort of reframing my whole view on what God had put in me to do. One example was I was doing, I was an author, I was writing books going through sort of the normal publishing routine, I shifted gears and start, I opened up a for-profit media company to house my own uh, intellectual properties and just really changed the whole way I did things and became super intentional about that. And it, it was for me personally, an absolute game changer. And so I mm. think that there's so much opportunity. You're right that there's also so much conflict. And um, I, it's interesting, I, I posted about this yesterday on Facebook. There were a lot of my friends were talking about being censored. And I'm still not clear on what was censored because, you know, it's, I'm a, I put a lot of faith-based content. I know a Me lot too. of people who put a lot of faith-based content. Personally, I've not had an issue with Me getting neither. censored. So yeah. I'm not sure if these people are talking about when they were putting faith-based stuff, it was political stuff, if it was mm you know, speaking about COVID-19, I don't know what it was, but I was saying to people, I said, you know, one of my concerns or fears within the communities of faith is that when we feel persecuted or censored, because like you just said, we sort of feel this entitlement to put whatever we want and we forget these are privately owned companies or publicly traded companies, and right. they have a responsibility to govern themselves according to their internal rules. And right. when we get censored, something gets removed, as faith-based people, we have a tendency to view that as persecution and leave. And so now <laughs> people are actually creating mm. alternative platforms, which mm. I don't think are bad if you feel mm -hmm. led to create a space for, to mm -hmm. communicate, but understand we want to reach as many people as we can. So yeah. historically, whenever faith-based people have withdrawn from something, they've seeded that ground and then it becomes infiltrated by other people. So I think I think we're in a very interesting time where we have to be uh, wise as serpents, but harmless as doves, especially mm. in online. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is too, is like we're, we're commissioned to go into the world. Yes. To go where the world is. I remember years and years ago watching um, a video series of a tour in Israel um, called That the World May Know. I can't even remember who did it. 
And I'll never forget when he was walking through an area and he said, so here is where the modern day marketplace was. And you would have buying and selling. And even at the same time over here, you would have an orgy and you would have all sorts of immoral stuff. And you would have, you know, soothers and sayers and astrologists <laughs> and all that and witchcraft. And I remember thinking, wow, it's kind of like what happens today. <laughs> However, it's like, it's, but but I wonder if the church was more relevant in that kind of environment then mm -hmm. than they are now in going in and trying to turn everything into a parachurch organization. <laughs> what do you think our first thing we should do like in the marketplace when we go into that realm? Because I just love that you have that understanding of this ain't our property. This is right. like going into the mall and saying, I can talk about whatever I want. Not even, I think even in the mall, you might have more freedom of speech. Do you right, know what I mean? Right, right. It's like actually, go, wait, it's like going to the lobby of Facebook and saying, I can talk about anything I want here. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, so what is the first thing we should do looking at marketplace and going in there? I think number one, what you said, we have to understand the Holy Spirit has sent or commissioned us and our assignment is really to be a witness. And so to mm. find creative ways to share our experience, the goodness of God, our testimony. Mm. Um, I know some people are super passionate about political issues or issues of the day. And I think, you know, if they feel that's what God's called them to do, then they should do that. But I think mm. you have to have an awareness that certain subjects, certain um, buzzwords, certain terms can create you conflict in the media sphere. I think one of my confusions about this with people of faith is that we're not understanding or discerning a media sphere. I'm going to conduct myself mm -hmm. differently if I do an interview with a secular media outlet than I'm going to do if I'm preaching on a Sunday morning in a church. It's two different areas. It's not that I'm compromising or watering it down. I'm trying to speak the language mm -hmm. that that audience is gonna understand. And I think that's kind of the connection we have to make is that we can share bold, radical, audacious things, but we need to have proper context mm. in how to share them. And in an elementary fashion, I think it begins with just sharing the goodness of God, like what mm -hmm. God is doing in our lives, what he's saying, um, and, and hopefully adding value to the lives of people who read our content, view our content, whether they ever buy our product. That's been for me one of the big things I've personally learned is I had to like adjust my mind from, okay, I'm going on here because I sell mostly intellectual property. So I'm going on here to just sell this book. Let me tell you the five reasons why this book. And instead, really having powerful conversations around the subject matter that if you never buy the book, you feel so enlightened by the conversation. Yes. And because you keep getting that, you keep coming back and then. The bigger effect is you're really experiencing Jesus mm. through my platform, even mm. if you don't know Jesus. Mm -hmm. Well, and I truly, you, you know me, I totally believe that, especially when you're on assignment, especially when you're on assignment, that you can create a vortex in a digital space that's no different than if somebody walked into your store like Jeremiah Lamphere or walked into your tent meeting like Billy Graham or, you know, all the, all the different greats. And, and yet, I'd love to ask you about this. You know, I wonder, I, I want to say this delicately. I wonder if people have ever been taught, like John Paul Jackson has taught, 
about useless casualties. It's <laughs> one thing to be passionate about a topic. It is a completely other thing to be anointed and appointed for such a topic. Mm. And so what do you think, like, we, do you believe we can actually cause destruction because we're passionate but not anointed about something? Yes, I do. And I think, so here's been my experience with that is just in my evolution as a human being, I've been a highly opinionated person when it comes to world I affairs. don't know what this is like. I'm <laughs> yeah. not opinionated. <laughs> I know it's totally boring for you. <laughs> but, um, you know, when it comes to world affairs, when it comes to political affairs, everything. And I will say this throughout my life journey and meeting different people and gaining their perspective, it has sometimes totally changed my mind about something. So I felt for me, like the Lord spoke to me and said, Ryan, you need to stay out of areas of discussion in a public forum and using your platform I've given you that I've not anointed you for. So you can mm -hmm. have an opinion, you can advocate it, you can, mm -hmm. you know, talk to your friends about, it, but if you don't get green, the green light for me, don't go there. So like for me, on my big social media space, I generally don't talk about politics because truthfully, I have friends on all sides of any issue. I may speak out about a humanitarian issue. I may speak out about something that, you know, I just think is general or mm -hmm. basic or will help someone, but mm -hmm. I'm not going to get on and tweet about what the president said, the speaker of the house said, I'm just not going to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for me, that's really been a guidance that's helped me. Now I have got Christian friends. And in fact, big influencers that I've talked with that think that's a totally cowardly road to take because they think you should always be doing that. But I truthfully think that, you know, it, it ends up denigrating your voice if God hasn't called you. And hmm. one of the things that I learned through this, I went through a personal situation a couple of years ago, long story short, there were people I had invited into my sphere that got very offended with me and whether it was their fault, my fault, irrelevant, but they began to make some noise online about it on their social media platform. <laughs> and my, what I wanted to do was to combat what they were saying. And mm. really the Holy spirit, there were a few, you know, I made a few like shady posts where you couldn't tell who it was about, <laughs> but I knew who it was about, but the Holy spirit started to say to me, like, I don't shady want you, influence. shady influence. <laughs> I don't want you to allow people or the events of the day to edit your voice. And I mm. really, mm. that's been a word for me to really be intentional, like what mm. I put out. And again, mm -hmm. I've probably messed up a thousand times, but I just think, as you said, if God hasn't directed you, that it's a primary part of your calling as a mm. believer to mm. speak and advocate on something, just stay out of it because mm. ultimately you're going to contaminate what your voice really could be in the lives of people. Hmm. I, I agree. And, you know, God, God didn't position me in the church. He didn't give me authority in the church. He didn't give me assignment in the church. Now I have authority as a believer, but I have positioned, assigned, and uh, smeared all over me authority for media and business, hmm. arts and entertainment as well. I've actually stayed away from it a bit. Um, for whatever reason, fear and stuff like that. But, you know, what would you say about someone saying, well, don't I have a authority as a believer? And how is authority in your assignment actually different or significant? What mm. does that actually look like? Especially if you're not on the mountain of influence of religion, mm. but you're positioned on the other six. 
This, so I love that perspective when in my early days of kind of understanding biblical authority, because personally, I was going through a lot of deliverance. God was breaking stuff off me and mm. I was being set free. So I developed this mindset of like, I can go anywhere. I have authority over any demon, which theologically there's a truth in that. But yeah. when you start to really study higher level thinking in <laughs> how spirits work and how mm. they dominate the thought process of human beings in certain regions, certain mountains, mm -hmm. then you need to back up and understand, like, if I go and engage this spirit that's on top of this mountain, I'm going to get a level of warfare that I'm not mature enough for. And mm -hmm. I don't necessarily have the mobilization of the body of Christ to come around and undergird this because I haven't been sent to it. And right. Paul kind of in talking the Corinthian church, he says, you know, our, our apostolic authority or my apostolic authority reaches even unto you. And mm -hmm. he uses the word that is uh, in the Greek metron. It means a sphere. Yes. And yes. what he's communicating, I believe, is that there's an apostolic. And for people that don't know what that means, it means a sending. There's a sending into a thing. And you see the principle when Jesus sent people, he sent them with power. That's the dunamis, mm -hmm. the big miracles, the crazy radical stuff. And then exousia, which is the Greek word for authority. It means kind of legal rights and privileges. They had both. So mm -hmm. I think that the challenge for people who just think, you know, I'm, I've got a Facebook and I've got X number of followers. or I've got a Twitter account or a Snapchat or whatever, TikTok. So I can say whatever I want. You can from a sense of natural opportunity to say it. But right. when you start moving into spheres that you have no authority because heaven did not invite you there, you become extremely ineffective. And Paul talks about spiritual warfare and not beating the air. Mm. I call it like shadow boxing. Like so you're, you're punching, you're winded, yeah. you're tired, mm -hmm. but you're not landing any blows. Your mm -hmm. opponent's landing blows on you. And so I think it's dangerous to do it. I just think sometimes spiritual pride gets in and we feel like I'm super believer and I can take on the world. But mm. Satan will use that mindset to exhaust yeah. you. Like there's certain Very areas much. that, you might talk about that you're going to have more authority than I am because of how heaven has granted you that. Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, I was really discouraged with some things in the prophetic movement, maybe like three years ago. And God had given me favor on a national uh, Christian media platform. So I was going to write this kind of rebuke article. I was providing my thoughts of solutions, but I was really going through the problem. And I sent this to an older leader. And he said, like, your article is great, but I want to ask you a personal question. I said, okay. And he said, do you feel you have the authority in this movement? Like you've been a part of it long enough. People yeah. respect you enough that yeah. this is appropriate. And honestly, when he asked me that question, I was offended because mm -hmm. my mind defaulted to what you said earlier. Yeah, like, right. I'm a believer. But as I prayed, the Holy Spirit said to me, he's trying to help you. And I could probably release that article now. Yeah. And I would feel comfortable with it. But at that time, I had not been enough a part of that movement to have a governing voice in it. So I think that's wisdom for us. And we, mm -hmm. we can take on unnecessary warfare. Yeah. Yeah. And, and John Paul Jackson's epic book was specifically about, you know, the Jezebel spirit. And mm -hmm. in the realm that I'm in, in business and media, there, there's a lot of believers in general, period, who do not, do not understand things like the throne room of heaven. They do not understand 
um, intercessors and positioning and watchmen and, you know, what it means to run like a footman and how to be a horseman who's not wearied. And, and, uh, I, I learned it the hard way. <laughs> I've actually, though, God has always been so good because there's always been apostolic fathers and mothers who've come around me and said, do you realize this? And do you see this? And most of the time I didn't because I was building my business with Jesus and just didn't have any, I mean, I didn't have any limits. Plus I didn't have a lot of awareness of what I actually stepped into. Hmm. Now on the role of intercessors, you know, I've had corporate intercessors on my payroll Wow, for over 20 years. And so uh, on and off for like maybe 10 years. And that's an interesting topic as well, because intercessors are not all created equal. And everybody who calls themselves an intercessor is not necessarily an intercessor. <laughs> but since 2013, it has been transformative. As a matter of fact, um, I refuse to continue to do what God called me to do without them. So if wow. he did not provide them, I will not do this because it would kill me mm. <laughs> B- because I'm a seer feeler and hearer. Yeah. Now speak into that specifically for the body of Christ and small business owners, how important it is to have your intercessors and people who war so you don't have to. And so you can yeah. do what you're supposed to do. A lot of times this is a churchy thing, but I believe it needs to be everywhere. And I think when someone in the mountain of religion and that, and, and who's also in media speaks on it, it gives a different perspective than when I say as a business owner, this is why I do it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's amazing. I mean, just listening to the story of you having corporate intercessors on staff is such an encouragement for business people. And I think for small business people, you know, it's kind of like I look at it in context of church. You have pastors or leaders who have huge churches of thousands of people. And on the average week, if a a parishioner is quitting their church, people are coming, going, they're pretty unaffected by it. They're kind of Mm -hmm. protected by this upper echelon sphere of leaders in their church and their organization. And so they don't really always know what's happening at the grassroots level. But then when you deal with a pastor who's pastoring 40 people, they're super in touch with what's happening. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes they're just more in touch with what's happening in their part of America or the world. And I think that's the same concept with small business owners. You know, they're, they hear the conversations of people coming into their shop and saying, hey, I'm struggling with this, this is going on, or if they have an online business, they're hearing it all. And God really can use those small business owners to make a very profound impact on the lives of their customers, their client, if for nothing else, just to be a witness. But here's the thing, you've stepped into a sphere when you operate in that and you've committed to the Lord and you've said, hey, I am, um, I am dedicated to the mountain of economy and business. I am dedicated to this place. When you've stepped into that, um, you have entered into a great sphere of influence and consequently a great sphere of resistance. And Mm -hmm. I think you have to be super intentional and super um, understanding of the fact that you need backup and you need prayer support. And so I Mm -hmm. think the thing about intercession in general that people don't understand it is a backup. It is a prayer support and we all need it. And sometimes we kind of talked about this. We can get into spiritual pride and feel like I can do this alone. I remember years ago, um, God sent a preacher from Africa to me 
And he had seen me at the time I was on a cable, Christian cable television network. He was visiting the United States preaching and he called in my office and asked for an appointment. And I just felt very strongly to meet with him. And he came and he said, I came with the word from the Lord to you. And I said, okay, what is the word? And he said, the word is that you don't have enough intercessors hmm. um, for the, the level that you're operating at. Hmm. And I was so shocked. I was like, this is so shocking to me because in my mind I was doing okay, but he really gave me this rebuke and I began to discern that, that he was correct and that I was coming to a place of a function that I didn't have support for. And so I think as a business owner, the concept of having people pray for you, pray for your business, pray for your customers, pray for witty ideas, that backup is so essential because again, we go back to a biblical model Nothing ever happened without prayer. It was the, Jesus said mm. his house was to be a house of prayer. It was the, the critical component. Um, and you need that in your business. So I think absolutely. it's absolutely imperative. Yeah. For me, it's as important as an accountant or insurance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I've had four death threats since <laughs> I started this company even in 2008. And uh, it gets real when you have to report something to the FBI and, and stuff like that. Um, Another question that I have is just my passion about people really stepping into their assignment and why sometimes the struggle that we see in certain realms could exist because people can't leave the church. Um, you know, what would you say to the person who is is encountering God, having a radical encounter with God, which most of the time that starts in a church realm or mm -hmm. because of a ministry and stuff. And they, they, they're they getting visions and dreams and encounters with God about business. And yet when they talk to their leaders about it, they're being admonished, well, don't be greedy and um, make sure that you stay true to Jesus and make sure you use those gifts in the church first. And I know those are all well-meaning um, admonishments. But do you think like from your perspective, how can we bring business, the other six mountains back together or together for the first time, if you will, um, with the mountain of religion, without people being sucked back into that realm as if every gift they were ever given was for the church and how to release that into the world? What would you say to that person to like, to, to navigate through that? I think that it's, unfortunately, it's a common thing. And I think that the problem is most leaders within the church don't understand the other mountains. And mm. I know for myself, because of the radical encounter I had with the Lord, I went off to Bible college, thrust into ministry. Honestly, I suffered a lot of years financially in other areas um, of my identity because I had that fear. It was like, mm. it was, it was taught to me, me. too. Yeah. by leaders that you're either in the church and you're like serving God or you're out here backslidden. Now the crazy yeah. thing that never made sense. <laughs> in the church or in the world, that's it. Yeah, the crazy thing that didn't make sense is that uh, these same leaders, they loved the contributions and the financial help of people who were out here. But if you were kind of in their system and you were emerging, you know, they didn't understand that. And for me, it was like God spoke to me about real estate. And I, I went to real estate school. I was full time mm -hmm. in ministry, really didn't have time to do it. But I had a word from the Lord. I want you to get involved in real estate. Actually, it was about real estate investing. But I felt the Lord told me sell first. 
to right. understand it and then invest right. in it. And uh -huh. when I did that, it was a game changer. It put me at tables with people I never would have been sitting at in ministry. Mm. It mm. gave me confidence to say, you know what? I'm not really bound to my paycheck from the church, from church politics, from the religious police. I'm not bound to that because I have an identity over here. Mm. And it just gave me an opportunity to really impact people I would have never had. And it was kind of the beginning of my personal exploration of moving outside of just the mountain of the church. And so I think if you're a person who's in a church, you're struggling with that. I would say one of the first things you need to do is get some teaching like on the, the seven mountains, get some teaching on marketplace ministry, buy some books, build your own faith and understanding, and then maybe have some honest conversation if you can with your leaders and say, this is what I'm feeling. These are people I'm listening to. Mm -hmm. And if they continue to say no to you, I would really pray personally about relocating mm -hmm. and becoming a part of a community that's more supportive of that concept. Mm -hmm. And I always mm -hmm. tell people, when you leave a church, leave quietly, leave alone. Don't go make exactly. a Facebook live about yeah, your pastor. No, no, that's no, a bad no, idea. No. You know. No. But but get out <laughs> Especially there. Especially if I, you want to be a leader. <laughs> right. Well, and you're going to reap what you sow. So if you do yes. that to somebody, it's going to yes. happen to you. But I think mm -hmm. too that one of the things during the current situation we're facing with the COVID and um, the church shutdowns and not being able to meet, it has really done a hard reset on the church. And I think on the other side of this, we're totally going to be in a different space where people are understanding you can do community in ways that look different. And I think this mm. is part of the answer for a lot of people because they just don't have the opportunity where they live to connect to something brick and mortar that's teaching on these things. So that's some practical advice, mm. I think, that you can employ. Mm. I, I think it's really, really good. And I think um, co-laboring together with people who are assigned in the church, which has helped our corporation so much because despite the fact that, you know, as soon as you're an apostle or prophet or, or if you're both, everybody just thinks you can do everything from be a lawyer to an accountant or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, we're so grateful that we can send people to like restoring the foundations and help them find healing rooms and, and different things like that. Um, and especially during this time of such uncertainty, like uncertainty to a level that in my 56 years, I haven't seen in my lifetime with everything mm -hmm. with COVID, with everything um, online. What would you say is like a now word for people with identity specifically and having everything as they knew it uprooted and not by choice mm -hmm. and not knowing what tomorrow holds, despite the fact that that's a biblical concept? I personally prefer to know what tomorrow holds as much right. as I can. Right. <laughs> what would you say in, in this season? I would say it's very important that you tune in to the, the current word of the Lord for you and for God's people. And here's what I mean is that we are in an unprecedented time. I don't think anybody, I mean, I, my wife talked to a lady who owned a jewelry, owns a jewelry store in her 70s. And she said, I've never seen anything like this. We can look back in history and we can see times of challenge that were in some ways greater than what we're facing today. But in our lifetime, the level of unrest and the level of 
contention and the level of economic instability is unprecedented. And so Hmm. I look at the life of Elijah when he had prophesied there was a famine coming, there was a drought coming. Hmm. God sent him to the brook, then the brook dried up. And, Hmm. you know, he understood that in society, there was a time of crisis. God had already shown him that, but there was a second word that positioned him in a place of obedience where he did not have the full effects of the crisis. And he ended up going to Zarephath and he gives the word to a widow woman that God was calling her to sustain him, but she didn't have the natural means. And so when he tells her fear not, Mm. she does what the Lord says and they both have provision and God brings them through. And so I think the, the direction I really sense, I think we're in a time of a very hard reset. I think Mm. for some people, they're actually coming out of careers and jobs that they've hated for a long time, but didn't know how to get out of. And right. some of them got a sudden, hey, your position's no longer here, or yeah. we're sending you on furlough, or you're going to work from home now. And so I think where I see God in all of this is I feel like he's resetting everything. And I think the critical thing for the church is we have to, we want to be wise. We want to know what's going on. We want to read and read about what's happening in, in our mountains. Um, right. but we want to not sit in front of the television for seven hours and get consumed mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. fear and rage and apathy. Um, but we want to hear what is God saying to us specifically. And it's a kind of a, a, a um, clashing of several thoughts and ideas. And I think that, for the people of God, we are going to have strategies and solutions, but we have to be very intentional like Elijah was to hear what is the Lord saying to me. And mm-hmm. then it's kind of counterintuitive. Like, I think I heard you talk about this is a great time to start an online business. Yeah. That's so counterintuitive mm-hmm. if fear hits you because fear causes you to freeze. But yes. you cannot do that in this season. Mm-mm. You've got to hear from God, ask God, what are you saying? And then move in what God is saying for you. And the thing is, what I found for me, what God is saying to me might be different than what God is saying to you. And Mm -hmm. I need to really ask the father, what are you saying to me? And then do it. And I know for us, like we've actually seen in my media side of what I do, which is the poor prophet side, we've seen increase in this time. I have so many people I'm connected to. (laughs) Yeah, they've seen, I have one lady that has an online store. It increased 300%. Yeah. but she was unafraid. And I think that's the thing. You've got mm-hmm. to be unafraid. Mm-hmm. And personally, like for me, I've made some decisions during this shutdown of things I'm going to do differently. It's allowed me to see, hey, I was doing all these activities and they were not producing as much as me sitting here at home right. and creating all of these cool things. Yes. So I'm going to shift that. And, but again, mm-hmm. I took it as a reset. And I, yeah, yeah. there are demonic things happening. Mm-hmm. There are scary things happening. <laughs> yeah. There are yeah. dumb things happening. All, <laughs> dumb. <laughs> all of that's happening. But in the midst of it, I have to say, God, what are you saying to me and to your people? And that's mm-hmm. what guides me forward. Mm-hmm. This is really a revealing time to see where you've been eating. Mm. And if you're anorexic and have only been eating from your pastor's spoon on Sunday, um, not only did you make his job really hard, I've always said, if you're eating all week, your pastor would be... <laughs> Be able to produce sermons at a different level. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But, you know, one of my passions is to study the history of revival and to study globally the history of revival and renewal. And when God comes with just the, the, the stuff that Jesus talked about, the greater works, mm. we still haven't even experienced a lot of that. And 
these kind of seasons are always the setup they are. for revival. And I don't know this aspect of it. I'm curious if you do, you may, you may not. Is it a common thing? Like right now, there is such a political, intellectual, religious spirit yeah. all over social media. And I don't even just mean a governmental political. I mean, right. I just like, I will die for this principle, despite the fact that I'm destroying all relationships in my testimony. I will die for yes. this, you know, this principle type politics mindset. But is that common though? Is that common that as God is birthing revival from even destitution, is it common that like the the superpowers of hell, if you will, like Jezebel and Leviathan and a Python spirit and all of these things just start to increase to make it look like it's not a great time for revival? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and well, and you, it is common, and you said it well that historically it's mm -hmm. been the setup for revival. Mm -hmm. um, I think the concerning thing to me about the political dimension is that it's believers that are doing it. I mean, yeah. personally, I've I, because I run a I run an apostolic network, so I have a lot of different preachers and even business people in it, and I've seen people quit our network because of something one person said. Yeah. You know, I've seen people fight over this. And to me, we're really spending a lot of time focusing on earthly stuff when mm -hmm. the answer for us isn't heavenly. Now, I know that just like when we talk about business, you can't be so heavenly minded that you're not doing the things you need to do on earth. But right. I think that the devil can get you stuck in fighting over issues and opinions and situations that are important, mm -hmm. but that there's a God answer that's bigger than the earthly answer. And I think that in history, when you've seen revival break out, um, it's usually hit na nations of great desperation and moments mm -hmm. of great desperation. And mm -hmm. so my read on what's happening personally is that I believe that we are going to see at some point, I don't know when God has not said to me, it's this specific, but yeah, I yeah. do believe we're going to see some outbreaks of revival that mm -hmm. are going to really shake things up in the kingdom of God and win a harvest. There's been a lot of prophecies about a global awakening. Um, I certainly see it. I see the framework for it. Mm -hmm. Don't know if it's coming on the other side of this. Don't know if it's coming five years from now. Right. I will say, I personally feel very confident that even in this season right now, I see the embers of revival. You know, I've seen, I have a friend who uh, has a church in Minneapolis and they've been on the streets um, at the exact site where the George Floyd uh, death happened. Mm. And they've, they've been baptized people in water, yes. people getting saved. And he shared with me that the amazing thing is, it's multiracial. He's the African-American mm. pastor, but they've got white pastors, out-of-town people. They're not fighting. They're working together. Um, mm. I've seen that. I live outside of Atlanta. I've seen it. I have a pastor friend who, when the protests were at their peak in Atlanta, he was going out on the street during the day, praying for people, ministering to people, and they were yeah. wide open. And so yeah. I, I think that we are seeing that. I think that we're so comfortable because we've had such an amazing season of prosperity in America and, and so many great things happen that we're so comfortable where we're at, that like we're being shaken out of our comfort zone. But mm. I do believe on the other side of this, there is revival. My concern about the sort of political fighting in the church, I wonder how many people that are so sold on an idea or an issue 
are going to be able to discern when God starts moving or wants to move because mm-hmm. my fear is that their heart's not in tune with that right now. Yeah, right. Yeah. That that's really my concern as well and not being a stumbling block because the the amount of people whose hearts and are open you know, they, and I speak to business owners a lot about, they may not look like the kind of person you wanted in your revival. They might not be like the kind of person you wanted to minister to, you know, and yet we're commanded to love all people. I mean, the call on my life is just utterly scandalous. Uh, No, (laughs) I mean, I even fought with God, not me. You got the wrong girl. But I also see in the online space, you know, Hundreds of billions of dollars being done online in China via virtual streaming. Mm. I, I didn't even realize this until we were thrust into this whole thing. And I've been in this world for so long. Wow. Like they got farmers broadcasting their farms and shipping their product. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? That's amazing. Now, at the same time, then you also have the opportunity that I'd love for you to speak into. I mean, with my authority, I believe we need to step into it. And that is why do we have to go into the streets? I definitely want us to go into the streets and stuff, but why are we not hosting zoom meetings where people are walking in their authority and watching, casting out demons, opening up blind eyes, opening up deaf ears, seeing hearts renewed in a virtual world. We don't need to be belly to belly to do this. No. And I actually, I want to, yes, I want to speak into that. And I want to add this. So I had a lot of friends who were very passionate about um, some of the uh, political issues, racial issues, the climate rent. And there was this thought of like, if you're not physically participating in something, Mm. whatever Mm. it was, a prayer rally, Mm. a protest, you're somehow not on board. And I was thinking Mm. like, I have a bigger voice here than I do there. So if I host a conversation with somebody that opens up the minds of other people to say, oh, maybe I should look at this differently. I can actually contribute a lot more to the solution. But see, that's how people who don't discern those things think they want to pressure you. You have to do it this way. And so what I believe personally, as far as the church and the space of the church, the sphere of the church, you know, we started 10 years ago doing our classes online. Mm, We started 10 years ago when I was selling real estate you could go for your continued education, you could go to a class or you could do it online. Nine out of 10 times I did it online unless there was a teacher coming to the area I lived in that I really wanted to hear what they had to say. But generally I did it online on the computer. Then we had like the smartphones come out and you could now do it on your phone. But the church, we were saying through this whole process, well, we'll stream our service, but we don't want people to not assemble together. So we don't want people to get comfortable there. And to me, and I I said this a number of years ago, I saw people building mega churches without a brick and mortar, totally Mm -hmm. online, because Mm -hmm. the psyche of people is already into connecting and doing community online. Now, whenever you talk about this, somebody goes, wait a minute, but you're throwing the other out. I'm not throwing the other out. I'm not no. throwing out the opportunity to pray for you physically, no. to say hello to you physically. But in truth, no. it's an intellectually bankrupt argument to make to say that the church would be the only institution that lags behind on this reformation <laughs> media. So yeah. as far as revival, you know, they took prayer cloths from Paul. And I tell people this, that was because they could not physically get to where Paul was at. There was no mm. radio. 
There was no media. Now mm. I still pray no over apps. prayer no, no social nothing. media. <laughs> so I still pray over a prayer cloth if somebody asks me, but in truth, social media, digital media is the 21st century prayer cloth because mm. we can connect. And you know, Sandy, like I was in a group of uh, a prophets meeting last year and I was actually very grieved about this subject because all these prophets who were, some of them were struggling just to have their ministry funded. They had grabbed a prophecy that a very good, sincere prophet gave a number of years ago about stadium meetings. And they were all trying to rent a stadium. And I'm thinking to myself, even the biggest voices in American church don't do a lot of stadiums anymore because it's the, the game has changed. Like it's mm. more narrow casting than broadcasting, mm -hmm. but you can literally build something out in this space and have a stadium meeting for a few thousand dollars. It just doesn't make sense. So I do believe that, that what you're saying is true. I believe we're going to see miracles online phenomenal mm. gatherings online. Mm. I think that the next great worship leaders are going to pop up online. And mm. I think the church through this COVID experience, God is teaching us, you can do life and community online. That doesn't mean you won't do it the other way, but no. I do think there has to be a reevaluation. Like I'm telling all of our church planters, maybe instead of trying to make your goal, I need, let's just say, I need 500 seats in my building to start maybe shrink it to 200 and say, yeah. I'm going to try to build a strong online presence. And then if you fill the 200, go ahead and go for the 500. But I think personally, there's a new way of doing it, which is to maximize online. And I think this is going to increasingly be the way that people connect to God. And if we don't embrace it and run with it, we're going to get left behind and other people will pop up who get it and they'll thrive in this hour. Mm -hmm. it's, it's so good. And like, you know, every time we think cities are opened and whatever, and then all of a sudden things are being shut down again. And, you know, then there's mandatory mass and then everybody's super excited. And then, oh my gosh, now they're shutting it down all again. Right, I mean, right, yes. like we don't even, some states aren't sending kids back to school till 2021 fall. Wow. Uh, <laughs> you know, and so what a great time if we just simply look at the statistics of Netflix streaming, yes, hmm, could that be indication of a billion soul harvest through a streaming platform? Wow. You know, wow. because I mean, I'm sorry, are we waiting for people to tune in? Because they're tuning in, you know. How do you think, um, you know, in your journey of walking into the online space and that, what what do you think people are afraid of? What think, what are we afraid of? You know, I think it's I think it's a couple things. I think number one is peer pressure, and this is what I mean is that every time I've had this conversation with leaders in the church mountain who I respect, who are yeah. most of the time older than me or my age and above, they yeah. have quoted the scripture: "Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together." And I say to them. But really, you're not doing that. Like, you know, no. through through COVID, I've had church online. I've tithed online. Yeah. I've prayed for people online. I've, yes. had, I've led many people to the Lord online. All, in fact, more effectively in some ways than I've done in person. Mm. And so I think it's a fear as human beings of rejection from sort of these religious gatekeepers. And it's a form of peer pressure. I think behind the leadership structure it is sometimes a fear of a loss of control because people mm. are very afraid. Like 
I've got this big building. I've got these video screens. I've got these lights. If this guy just gets on with a Zoom you know, uh, program and a web camera, then what's going to happen to the thing I've built? And it's that old thing of if you empower people, they're going to keep coming to be a part. But if mm. you restrict people, eventually they're going to say, I don't want to be a part of that anymore. And I think yeah. that's a lot of what's driving this is, um, and you know, too, there's an economic side to it. I think some churches are afraid, well, the people that support them will stop. But again, like the churches I'm connected to, those who have jumped into this media moment have actually seen increase in their contributions. Hmm. Those who have refused to do that have struggled. And I think that's the bottom line. It's here upon us. You're yeah. either going to move with it or not. Yeah. But I yeah. think it's fear and control that sort of holds people back from it. Right. And I think it, it's more than just a new normal. <laughs> it's, a, it's being reinvented, if mm. we will, whether we like it or not, which, you know, <laughs> think about all the different reformers before yeah. us. Look, think of all the um, revivalists and reformers before us. The new normal that they were anointed to bring was not always met with, yay, we've right. been waiting for this. <laughs> <laughs> it, and as a businesswoman, there's a lot more finances we can sow into things that absolutely need money and have need if we don't have huge brick and mortars. I mean, I think we're going into a realm of even corporate America going to co-working within the next year or so. I'd even say that as far as a prophetic word that we're going to see co-working popping up everywhere. Because mm -hmm. you've got Microsoft who just shut down all their stores. You've got Twitter who went 100% virtual. You have Facebook who said you can decide where you want to work. And um, even to the point of people relocating because now they don't have to be in certain states and that you know, what do you see in your future, Ryan, in, in regards to this? Has God given you any kind of direction or some, has he um, challenged you out of any comfort zones you were in and is asking you to, to take some ground or what does this, all this new normal look like for you? Yeah, well, I think, so I kind of have two sides of what I do. I have the nonprofit ministry side and the for-profit, which right now is mostly media and intellectual property. So on my for-profit side, the Lord's really been challenging me to come out of a lot of traditional um, systems, meaning like even with publishing, um, I've published with really great companies, but like God has really been dealing with me to bring that more into my own sphere and maximize mm. the network I built and all of that, which is, you know, it's a big transition, but it's very necessary for me personally, because of where I'm at and because of this new normal and the opportunities that exist. Um, and then to continue to keep kind of upping our game, we're working on some new uh, broadcasting opportunities and things over there. On the nonprofit side, God has majorly challenged me. Like right before all this happened, we were working within our apostolic network to build some new, uh, we call them hubs, but they're basically like more apostolic churches, essentially. And I called the team that's been working on this and said, guys, I think we need to do it in reverse. So instead of doing brick and mortar and then online, we need to do online and really be comfortable with saying, hey, we're building a digital church. The space is digital. There will, at the appropriate time, be some physical meetings, right. but it's going to look different. And even what you said in the concept of buildings, you know, I think sharing space, having mm -hmm. meetings at different times, not mm -hmm. investing so much in the church community, 
on brick and mortar, unless you just have the resources to do it. But mm. if you're doing it um, just to kind of get a big space and show everybody I've got a big space, I really think that's kind of an outdated strategy. And I, I've still sort of said it this way. When God shows up and does big things, there's always going to be big spaces and there's always going to be people who have the means to maintain or get a big space. But I think it's going to become less relevant in the next 10 years or so for all the things you've cited that are business trends. I believe they're also trends in the church. And I'm increasingly seeing this frustration from people to say, you know, the church I'm connected to or the group I'm connected to, I feel restricted in a sense of like, if they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they won't let certain things happen. Or mm. if they're teaching on this, there's certain restrictions. And so um, I see people wanting to connect with more sort of grassroots organizations uh, that offer a little bit more depth of training, of knowledge, of opportunity, of mm. activation. So mm. we are sort of changing our strategy to build digital first and mm. out of digital as is appropriate then create some brick and mortar structure. But honestly, we're getting super experimental with that because I just think that what made sense even before this doesn't make sense after. And I think we're gonna continue to see those who are willing to adapt and grow and change uh, prosper. And I think the for us in the church mountain, you know, we're gonna get a lot of flack and persecution from people who don't understand what we're doing. And we just have to say it's okay. You know, one yeah. of the things I kind of did and God really blessed me with the social media stuff to be able to do this. I stopped investing a lot of my time into other people's uh, platforms in the sense of like joining this network to get this opportunity or being mm -hmm. a part of this thing um, right. and really started being super intentional about creating my own spaces. So therefore I was kind of free from if somebody was really persecuting or criticizing me, it didn't matter because I had my own followers who were engaged. Yeah. And that's kind of right. where I'm spending a lot of my time. And I've been telling the young guys in our network, if you're a worship leader, ask the Lord, like, where can I do some kind of virtual worship service, a prayer and worship? Is it a Facebook thing, a YouTube thing? You know, create something, start to gain some momentum and see if you can build your own platform that then frees you from a lot of those restrictions. So yeah, yeah. that's kind of the direction we're headed in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've had repeated visions of worship leaders all over the world connected through zoom rooms. And when they begin to play healing goes through the realms and people just get supernaturally healed the moment they turn on their video. Wow. That's so powerful. <laughs> because it's not a virtual, non-virtual world. It is a world that we are connected by a tool. Absolutely. You know, and it, and it's people like you that, you know, I, um, God has given me an even bigger vision and the more healed I've gotten, the more I've seen how he's going to do it. Um, where business owners like myself, who I'm walking in everything that, that I've learned, but I'm, I'm building corporations need to partner with people like yourself, like the team of intercessors that I have of women who um, there's little ladies in, in a, in a mountainside community who pray around the clock. Mm. and fight battles and and pray ahead of my walking into and we also need people like yourself who you know i i'm going to be teaching a four-hour webinar on the seven mountains of influence from a business person's perspective because i have yet to find anybody i've ever done that it's right. always coming from the from the church perspective not saying it's faulty but i believe that we're going to get some insights from teachers having courage 
Mm. to rise up from each mountain and speak on this. And we need people like you because as we build networks like this, um, I'm given to pastoring. I'm not a pastor. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and how I'm going to walk this out, my, my mandates in business are going to be different, but people have hearts that need to be healed and people have marriages that need some, some help and, and teenagers. And, and we still need all of the caring for family and upholding of what God has done. I believe in the three governments that God created in the church, in the world and in the home. And we're foolish as business owners to think if we can do all of it and we're stupid if we think <laughs> we're going to lead people to the the loving incredible love of God through Jesus see them get full of the holy spirit and yet there's a new way to live and there's heal healing that needs to take place and opening those doors and so i'm always looking for organizations and healing rooms even that are doing stuff online because the amount of requests that we get thousands every month of people who have need who encounter God through, you know, Facebook ads class. Um, <laughs> who, like we've seen people get set free from suicide simply from a post on Facebook. Wow. And, you know, I, I don't understand all the dynamics of that, but I understand the deep, deep love of Jesus and I know mm -hmm. he can do it. And so what would you say to the people um, and leaders who are listening, because we're so honored to have about one fourth to one third of our thousands of students in the inner circle and, and even millions of people who interact with us on our house list or social media, um, who are in the church realm and who have a heart for the world. And yeah, they're just, they're just like, okay, how do we partner with that without creating a parachurch organization on the side? How do we, how do we, come alongside business owners and do the discipling and do the walking out and do the making of disciples and the helping people and, and repairing the breaches and things like that. Mm -hmm. I think one of the, so I think there's two sort of things I sense the Holy Spirit breathing on this season with everything we're talking about. One, I would just say organic. And I think mm -hmm. that's been a word from how we eat to how we want to do life. Yeah. And yeah. You know, for like what you said about the worship leaders. So what I've noticed is that a lot of worship leaders will just say, I felt really compelled to go online today and do worship in my living room and boom, it goes viral. And it's yeah. a very organic thing. Yeah. So I would say relationally business owners to ministers and all people in between look for those sort of organic connections that there's a spark right up the front. Uh, you, you sense it immediately. You sense, mm -hmm. I really like this person. I really feel drawn. It's not laborious. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take a lot of effort. It's not frustrating. To me, that's the Holy Spirit green light to something that he's calling you into. And mm -hmm. then there's sort of the more corporate structure. And I think that's where people like you and your mindset and even people like me in the church mountain that have some understanding of the need for building an organization. Once the Holy Spirit invites us organically into something, then we start getting the plans. Okay, how does the Lord want to do this on a broader basis or bigger scale? Like for me, I started to do Facebook lives and just teach something I was passionate about. And then right. I was like, okay, I need to organize this better. I need to have an e-learning event around this subject mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I started to structure, but it was that organic sort of passion that brought me into it. And most of my most fruitful relationships is the same way. And I think where we miss it is usually we do it the opposite. 
-hmm. we get a word from the Lord, we create this big plan, and then everything is forced. Everything is, like you said, it turns into a parachurch organization and not a relationship, and it becomes super frustrating. And so I think mm -hmm. that part of the uh, reformation that's happening in the church mountain is God is sort of resetting things back to a more organic setting even i've seen mega churches that have done their online services like in living rooms and homes there's a music company out of atlanta here that they started by doing these videos worship company Maverick they started City? by doing yes they're my so favorite i love them and, um, one of <laughs> yes. the ladies in our network naomi rain she's been one of their artists yes i have felt like the whole way they presented themselves with that living room feeling and all of yes. that has been a, a forerunner kind of uh, prophetic yeah. vision. And now they're sort of creating the structure to align with that. And so I think mm. that's how we do it. We look for the organic openings. Mm. We partner as the Lord leads. And then for the big stuff, the Lord is speaking. We draw on the wisdom of each other and of others to organize it. But even mm. in the organization, I have this sense that as far as the church mountain, there still needs to be this this sense of awe to say, you know what, if we're in the middle of this thing and God says, yeah, instead of going left here, I want you to go right. We're willing to do that because yes. what typical denominationalism does or any religious organization structure, it tends to kind of box in the move of God. Mm. And you need a structure to facilitate the move, but you don't need a structure to box in the move. And I think mm, that's, the, so that's the challenge. But I think prophets and prophetic people help us to not get stagnant in that space. Yeah. Well, and I think we need each other because I've got a desire that like some of your people could come into the inner circle and understand, listen, I got business owners who are doing Zoom presentations for thousands of people. They need intercessors as a normal thing to be on right. the Zoom meetings, right. to be praying for that atmosphere in the Zoom meeting, just like when we would do live events and uh, prayer teams would go ahead of time and we would have them positioned like spec ops and people <laughs> would never know that these were people walking around the room releasing heaven why we were speaking why can't we do that virtually and then people from my inner circle going into stuff that like you're teaching with all your resources to know okay how can we co-labor together and bring those together this was the vision of the apostolic fathers who created the whole you know, seven mountain influence, it, it was supposed to be normal that when you had a corporate meeting, there was an intercessor there. Right. And, and there was somebody who was prophetic, who was hearing from heaven and giving you wisdom and insight. And so I'd love to have you share with everybody how they can get a hold of you, get, at, um, you know, access to what you have. I've enjoyed very much the videos that you have. I've watched a lot of the videos that you've been releasing and am just thrilled of what God is doing, bringing these realms together. So tell them how they can connect with you and some of the resources you might have for them. Absolutely. Well, you can probably online, the biggest place that I post the most content is my Facebook page. And it's my name, Ryan Lestrange mm -hmm. page. So if you go facebook.com slash Ryan Lestrange page, I'm on most of the major platforms, Twitter, um, Instagram, um, YouTube. So you can find resources there. I have two websites, but the one that I have the most resources at is my last name, Lestrange, then the word global. So lestrangeglobal.com. And I've got most of my e-learning events, e-books, all that stuff there. So you can check me out there and follow me on social media and you'll get a lot of updates what I'm doing there.
So good. And thank you so much just for being such a blessing to me and for giving me courage to even be bolder and you didn't even realize you were doing so. And But that's what happens when you bring the prophetic and the apostolic and, and all of that together, you will receive that impartation from what God has deposited into somebody. And so thank you for just activating all that God, you know, Papa deposited into you so that we could receive from it. Cause I know I definitely have benefited greatly. Well, thank and, you. And I want to just say this before we ever met virtually or talk, I followed your teachings and your, even your Instagram memes and all the encouragement and thank you for doing that. And just being who you are and giving people permission to dream bigger. Thank you. It's, it's part of my sword. <laughs> yeah, yes. All right, Ryan, thank you so much. <laughs>